Welcome to the Whispers with Women podcast. I'm Amanda Allen. Thank you for joining me as I share with you wide-ranging and deep conversations with women of integrity and wisdom, women who have navigated life on life's terms, who turn threat into opportunity, and who share their stories and their souls with you so that you may feel loved and supported and not so alone as you navigate your own strange, wonderful and often challenging life. If you struggle with fluid retention, irritable bowel, bloatedness, cellulite, inflammation, hormone imbalances, fatigue, anxiety, sleep problems, toxic metal and chemical pollutants overload, then I invite you to explore my seven unicorns health support and detoxifying formulas. I am built by the products I offer on my website, my Green Goddess, my Zeo Body Detox, my 9-Day Detox Ritual Cleanse will utterly transform your body, your weight, your health and your mental and emotional states. They are my divine gift to the women of the world. Use the code WHISPERS at checkout for 10% off all my beautiful products. I am so privileged to bring to the Whispers with Women podcast, this conversation with Vanessa Ruck, aka A Girl on a Bike. You can find her on all social media platforms. Vanessa is truly one of the most extraordinarily strong and insightful and she's such a badass angel women that I've had the privilege of ever speaking to. And for me, this conversation was profoundly well-timed. I needed all that she had to remind me of as our, our stories are, share a lot of similarities. Vanessa was, she says, a normal girl, uh, but also she was a self-confessed and still is adrenaline junkie. But in 2014, life as she knew it was taken away by a red light jumping car. Seven years, seven surgeries, multiple reconstructed body parts and a world of ongoing pain, trauma, therapy, healing and recovery. Vanessa is a living, breathing, shining example of the power of positivity as a choice we make in every moment. Vanessa talks so much about everything that has made a difference on her journey, nutrition, mindfulness, the aspects of mental recovery and the trigger points And the way of interrupting the negative and downward thought spiral. She talks about her own self-hate and her disappointment with her body and that cold and lonely tunnel of recovery about readjusting expectations, her night terrors and of course this immense love of motorbikes and her thirst to be a better version of herself despite her extreme and ongoing pain. A profoundly uplifting, reassuring and deeply wise woman with a very powerful and such a timely story to share. I know this will lift you from wherever you are and just catapult you into a space of solution and positivity And the ability to seek and work for your goals and your dreams no matter what. I welcome Vanessa with such joy in my heart. I know you're going to love this conversation.
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Vanessa Ruck. I'm also now known as The Girl on a Bike, which is all my social media channels. Um, and I'm just a normal girl from England in uh, in the United Kingdom. And life gave me a pretty horrific curveball back in 2014. And that's really where my my story as far as The Girl on a Bike began. And my journey battling physical and mental recovery continued. So I would have described myself as an absolute adrenaline junkie prior to the accident. I lived for sports. Kite surfing was my big one, but I mountain biked, rock climbed, snowboarded and was incredibly active. I was fit. I could jump on my bike and do 100 miles cycling mm -hmm. just because I wanted to. And actually... I kind of wish I'd taken a few more moments back then to really appreciate how incredible my body was. It was pain-free and able to do anything. But on the 25th of March, 2014, life as I knew it changed in, a, in an instant. It was a pretty normal Tuesday. I had left work for the day and I was cycling home. So my commute back then was cycling and rain or shine, snow or ice. I got on my bike and I cycled my 16-mile daily commute and I'd left work for the day I was actually on the way to the lake to see my husband and some friends to go wakeboarding in the evening got about a mile down the road pedaling away and traffic light in front of me turned green I pedal on through and unfortunately a car coming the other way decided not to stop at their red light and they cut straight across in front of me leaving me with nowhere to go. And I went straight into the side of the car. My right shoulder took the full impact and I landed onto my right hip on the side of the road. And in that moment, life as I knew it changed. Now, at the scene of the accident, I wasn't a bleeding mess. I wasn't scraped off the road by paramedics. I was obviously incredibly shaken up and feeling pr pretty sore. I went to hospital in an ambulance and I was actually discharged from A&E later that evening with bruising. Now, if we fast forward on, we have just had my seven year anniversary from the accident and I have had seven surgeries, including two reconstructed body parts. So if you think about the fact that I was diagnosed with bruising, it gives you a little bit of an understanding of quite how much of a roller coaster and a battle it has been to get my body fixed. And, you know, ultimately I've been trying to get to a point where I'm pain free. I've unfortunately had to readjust my expectations mm. to managing mm. with pain, but getting my body back to a point where I can push it in sports again. So my most recent surgery was about 11 months ago, which is why it really has been seven years and seven surgeries. It's been a very ongoing process and I've got a reconstructed right shoulder and right hip. I physically have been on an incredible journey, but what I cannot emphasize enough is how difficult the mental recovery has been and still is something that I manage. Mm. And I think mental recovery is something that as society, we tend not to maybe talk about as much as I think we should, because the reality is, is that life isn't all perfect and shiny and amazing. And we do have challenges and mental parts of those journeys are as you know, prevailing as 
some of the other areas of the struggles. So that mental, and I agree, generally as well, but with regard to the mental recovery, I would love to talk about that and, and also the pain and the way that um, feeds into uh, both your mental resilience and, and I guess the, ch the challenge and struggle mentally, let alone physically. Yeah, so in in the aftermath of the accident, I was actually diagnosed with a couple of mental health disorders. And the first one was a fear of the road, which we can talk about a little bit more. Uh, and the second one was now change disorder in different people. It's effectively a you know, a, a psychological reaction to trauma, I Sorry, suppose. I just missed that. And for me, you said the fear of the road. And then I was diagnosed with change disorder as well. So change disorder can manifest differently in different people. But for me, it was no longer associating with myself as me. So Vanessa was that strong person pre-accident. She was fit and capable. She could do three sets of 13 pull-ups. She could kite surf. She could snowboard. She could do sports. And she was, you know, cool and fit. And this, looking down at myself, like broken, useless, painful body, it, it wasn't me. I'd actually talk about myself in the third person. Wow. And I completely disconnected with myself uh, it was quite confusing for other people when I met them because they were like, wait, hang on, who's Vanessa? I thought you were Vanessa. And it's easy for me to joke about it now, but it got to the point where I realized that I needed help. And when you think about the physical recovery, you can't even begin to start to heal your body and love it and nurture it in the right way if you don't even see it as your body. I had to get to a point where I learned to maybe not love my body but accept my body and be at one the day we owe one body for our whole entire lives and this was the body i had and no amount of self-hate or disassociation was going to change my home the only thing that was going to change my home was my love and energy and support of my recovery uh, and that was not something that happened overnight. I had months and months and months of counseling and support. It was horrifically painful, uh, lots of lots of tears and crying. But over time, I did start to accept my body and uh, it was a difficult journey. It, it really was. And I, th I think talking about things can often be so painful and you know, reflecting on the accident or the anger at the driver or my complete disappointment with my own body that I'm not capable anymore. But actually talking about it hurts, but it helps you process it. And it helped me reach a point where I could see more of the things I was grateful for. And that while things had changed, there's still so much more positive energy around as well that I could focus on. And, you know, I had to change my expectations on myself. That's fascinating. What kind of therapist were you working with to have the support you have to come out of this? 
Um, I believe she was a cognate co uh, a CBT, mm -hmm. cognitive therapy behavior no. behavior therapist. Um, I think the most important thing that I got through seeing her was the discovery of mindfulness. It was something that she mentioned a few times and I then went away and did a lot of work on my own to read more about mindfulness, find online exercises, you know, YouTube videos that you can sit and listen to, reading articles. And I would say that mindfulness across the whole of my mental journey has been one of the most important parts because it's taught me that I am in control and I am in charge of my thoughts. And my thoughts are a direct impact on my emotions and I can control those. So the easiest way that I can think of trying to describe this to you today is learning about my trigger points. So for me, a trigger point is the first thought I get that would then, if I didn't stop it, lead me into a downward spiral of upset. So the example, let's say I'm out for a walk with my husband and my hip is something that I very much manage. It doesn't really like walking. It doesn't really like much, to be fair. But I'll be out walking and my hip will be hurting and I'll suddenly start going, God, why can't my hip just stop? Hurt? Why does it have to hurt? Like, it sucks. Like, my stupid body. I wish I could have a different body. Why can't they just fix my hip? Mm. How is it so hard? I hurt. And then it carries on and on and on to the point that I then will get myself really worked up into a little bit of a state of self-hate, of disappointment. I'll cry. I'll get really upset. I'll wish I didn't have to live in pain. And what I've learned is that when I get that very first thought that initial trigger that I have now recognized at the start of a, a negative spiral of, of thoughts, mindfulness has enabled me to go, no, Vanessa, we don't need to go there. Let's think about something else. Wow, how amazing the countryside is. How lucky I am that I'm walking long holding my husband's hand. How lucky I am that I'm able to walk. How beautiful the daffodils look in, in the gardens around me. Anything but that negative chain of thought. And by doing that, I save myself a whole load of emotional pain that comes from my own, which actually make my, myself feel worse. Because at the end of all of those emotions and pain, I've still got the same body and the same pain. <laughs> I've just dwelled on it, focused it, boiled it up a bit, got upset about it for no benefit because nothing is going to change over getting upset about it. So it's not something that happened overnight. I didn't suddenly be able to go, no, Vanessa, let's not get upset over that because it's pointless. Over time, I've learned to recognize those initial thoughts and through mindfulness and having more of a, I call it the power of the conscious mind. It's helped me to recognize them and divert my thoughts to something else that's less damaging for me emotionally. Really, really helped me with loop, with the pain, accepting my body, um, readjusting my expectations, and actually overcoming the fear of the road as well, because I'm in control of my thoughts. Saying that though, I'm going to be completely honest that I am still human and I still sometimes fail and I very much still have really down, horrible moments where I just feel sad, 
and I hurt and that's okay too. I try not to beat myself up over it when I do get that and I try and keep my energies up and move on out of it but I definitely accept that you know I'm human too and I can't expect myself to be strong all the time. Exactly making room for the humaning that's for sure. I share with you um, I have quite a chronic pain and I I do I relate 100% to what you've just shared about the appreciation I'll look at that the rising sun look at the shape of that leaf look at the you know beauty around me as a distraction from that pain do you how do you manage your pain like what is that journey is it constantly in your body so to varying degrees and and my other question was also I love what you said about the emotional pain from your thoughts, but I recognize that emotional pain in my mind leads immediately to physical pain in my, my hips particularly. Mm. Yeah. I think our emotions, our mind and our body are far more connected than maybe a lot of us want to believe. Mm -hmm. um, I have a really cool little super fast sort of exercise that helps to demonstrate this. So think about someone that you, absolutely hate or something something that just you despise they make you angry they're nasty um someone that's upset you or hurt you in the past and like really focus on that person or that thing or that object whatever it might be something that's just makes you really angry and hateful now think about something that you love someone you love something that gives you just like that amazing warm bubbly feeling like the cute little dog or your husband or your best friend someone that lifts you up and gives you energy and you've just got all the time in the world for them and then focus on that and what I'm hoping you've just noticed is the difference between the first one and the second one where the first one you almost get like this knot in your chest like a pressure and then the second one you feel uplifted and energized and almost light and that's a really, really basic example of the physical emotion. And um, it is, I definitely with that hate. Yeah, exactly. And with with pain and emotions, I I definitely I, I definitely can share with you that that connection. Um, I don't think I've necessarily figured that one out yet, but I'm still I'm still on my journey. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. So the pain, the pain management for you, it's a moment by moment basis. Um, I try not to let it be every moment because it would, uh, it's so consuming. Mm. I've definitely learned things that help me with it. So, I take something called Active Collagen by You Perform, and that's been really game changing for the, the internal elasticity and functioning of my like on a cellular level. So collagen is one of the most important proteins in the body. So I take that. I um, take something called rose, rose hip, which is horses. Uh, it's actually a horse supplement. And so that along with a really healthy diet is putting into my body, all the goodness to be in its best place. I then have external tools like my, I have a, how do you describe it? A compact deep tissue gun which i will use on my hip three times a day and if i don't use it for one of those three times my pain will increase 
it just helps to relax and reduce some of the tension in my in my hip trying to compensate for the fact that it's not that happy um and then the final one on that is you know is painkillers and i often say about I mean, I hate painkillers. I I will always try and avoid them. My husband is actually the one that knows the most when I need to take them. He'll be like, um, do you need some painkillers? Are you hurting? <laughs> Bless him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely try not to take them. But then I'm also kind to myself that I, I don't need to struggle and fight. And if I'm really just hurting yeah. to that point, you know, I'll just, I'll just take more painkillers. So it's it's a combination of those as as well as resting knowing that i you know i can't be standing for too long or walking for too long or sitting for too long trying to listen to my body to what it wants and needs um when it comes to riding the motorbike um that's probably a little bit different so back to my name the girl on a bike i am now kind of sort of known i describe myself as a motorcycle rider racer and adventurer and the motorcycles have been one of the best things for my mental health recovery, particularly the Harley, which we can talk about a little bit more if you'd like. But <laughs> when I'm on my motorbike, I now do some pretty extreme off-road riding and it does hurt my hip. I, I can't pretend it doesn't. But for me, I know that I'm happier and at one with the fact that I'm making my pain a little bit worse, but I'm having a lot of fun in doing it. And I don't want to just give up and sit on the sofa at home. I want to be out there doing sports and being active. And yes, I'm probably wearing my hip out a little quicker than maybe I could be if I decided to just sit on the sofa. But I've only got one life and I don't want to not do it just because I might wear my body out. Well, I am wearing my body out a little bit more. They've kind of told me with about 95% certainty that I'm going to need a new hip within. Yeah. They reckon if I can make it, make it last five years, then they'll be really pleased. Mm. Mm. So we will see that pain is a strange one, particularly when you look completely normal. I think something that I always try to say to other people is, even simple things like when you're at the supermarket and the checkout girl is really grumpy with you or someone's rude on your daily encounter, try not to be too quick to judge because you never know what battles they are fighting. And some battles are completely invisible and they might just be having a really bad day. Uh, so for me, I look completely normal. You you wouldn't be able to tell that I have pain, really. Um, so just remember, I just kind of want everyone to try and be a little bit more kinder to each other really we've we've got enough battles in life we don't need it from each other that's so true it's so true and now more than ever and you know every message that you've offered here everything you've overcome it couldn't be more um timely and important for you know the way the life that we're living the planet that we're living on right now and you know those those um everybody has battles you're you're so true and we do need to stay positive and do need to fight on and and you're such a living example of that and um and choosing over and over and over again despite the pain despite the obstacles despite the restrictions is um so 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 powerful and i um, i haven't had the number of surgeries you have but i just relate to your story and your journey and your your way of managing and the way you've just integrated 
everything you can get your hands on that is going to help you get better. You know, mainstream medicine, painkillers, mindfulness, um, you know, nutrition, how you direct your thoughts, everything. Um, what else is there? Like, what else is in your little toolkit of wisdom and habits and rituals to, to help you? Like, it looks to me like you're so passionate and you love, like, and have so much fun with everything you do every day that, you know, can be seen. Yeah. Like, is fun a really big part of it and that passion and that fun and that I guess discipline? life is way more fun with a smile on your face. And I'd say <laughs> gratitude is the most important part to that for me. Because even in the darkest, deepest, most horrific moments through my journey, like days when you just, you want the, you want to give up and it's just too much, you hurt too much, like you can't even get to the toilet on your own. And on those days, there are still things to be grateful for. I mean, even if it's just the fact that you're still alive or the fact that you've got a mum on the end of the phone or a lovely teddy bear to cuddle or nice warm Ribena to sip on, the birds singing outside, there's the feeling of the soft sheets on your feet. There's, there's always something to be grateful for and it can be really, really damn hard to find something sometimes when you're in one of those moments. But having and is it almost a mood? Is it a mood too? You have to have to make yourself want to find it because you can. It's a slippery slope, right? It's a it's a big choice turning that tide in those moments. I think that comes back to mindfulness, and we can choose yeah. to get out of bed in the morning and be in a bad mood and stub our toe and be like, oh well, the rest of the day is going to be shit. Sorry, excuse my language. It's going to be terrible because I got out of bed on the wrong side, and it's like no. The side of bed you got out on is completely irrelevant how the rest of your day is. Change your mindset. Today's going to be a damn good day. And don't, you know, that whole, oh, bad things comes in threes. Everything is so self, like, negative. And we do have the choice to control our minds. We can go downstairs and make a cup of tea and enjoy that sip of our first tea in the morning and have a little smile on our face. And having a glass half full of glass half empty approach. It's our choice. It's just a case of perspective. So I always love the example. So you're going to try and draw a picture in your mind here. I'm not, I'm going to try, see if this works over podcast. Mm -hmm. So you've got a little man in a, in a rowing boat and he's rowing along at sea and he gets ridiculously excited because he spots an island ahead. And it's a tiny little island with a palm tree on it. And there's a little man and this guy in the boat is really excited because he's found land. And then you've got the little guy on the island who has been stuck on this island and he sees a guy in a rowing boat and is like, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. He's found a boat. <laughs> it's all just perspective. And there's always different ways to think of things. So I don't know, another one like roses People grumble that roses have these horrific thorns, but shouldn't we be grateful that they have beautiful, the thorns have beautiful roses? <laughs> it's so true. There's just, there is perspective to everything. Um, and even like really little things, like sometimes you'll be driving along and you'll get stuck behind a really slow car. 
and you'll be like, God, why are they going so slowly? I'm in a rush. I've got to go here. And it's like, you don't know why that car's in front of you. That car could be saving your life because you're not going to be two minutes down the road, two minutes faster than you would have been. You never know. Take a deep breath, sit behind him. What's two minutes in your day? I don't know. That was a weird example. Maybe I don't like that one. But I think... Oh, I love it. I love it. No, it's quite true. Um, we're always just in such a rush. And I just don't think we always need to be in such a rush. And I think gratitude has really helped me with changing my expectations on my body. So prior to the accident, I was incredibly sporty and fit. And over the last seven years... Yes, I have started to learn to ride off-road and I started off-road riding about four, four and a half or five years ago. Uh, no, four, maybe four years ago. And over those seven years, though, there have been months and months and months, years where I've not been able to ride a motorcycle. I've, I mean, I've been bed-bound, I've been post-surgery. But in those bits in between surgery where I've been making progress physically, I've been getting more active, doing all my physio, my hydro, my shockwave, my red light therapy, my osteopath, everything that the medical teams tell me I should be doing, I'm doing because only I have the power of my recovery. So I'm out there doing it and I'll get stronger, I'll get more active and then maybe I'll get to a point where I can ride a motorcycle again and start pushing myself. And then each time I just always seem to hit this ceiling of pain where I just couldn't get any further the novelty of being active and the pain balance shifted. And I just realized that I really damn hurt and I'm 28 years old and I hurt. I'm 30 years old. I shouldn't be dependent on painkillers. And I'd go back to the medical profession and I tell them I hurt and they'd look at me again, do more tests and spot something that they missed or some complication or some, issue with the reconstruction or whatever and yeah I'm sorry you need more surgery and I've I remember every single time that conversation it felt like the world around me just collapsed and shattered onto the floor because going back into surgery over and over again I naively at one point thought it would be easy you know ah it's my second hip surgery I know what I'm doing it'll be fine I, I know what to do it doesn't get easier. The pain, if anything, gets worse because you're recutting open the same place. Your rehabilitation is, is if, if not, harder. And I always described it like being in a black tunnel, like a really dark, cold, lonely tunnel where right at the end of the tunnel you could see the speck of light, which was recovery. And I was working forwards towards the speck of light doing all my rehabilitation, getting out of bed and doing my rehab on those days where I really, really didn't want to and I just hurt too much. And the light closer and then suddenly there'd be that and the tunnel would just be a mile longer again. And it was in those times where the gratitude was so important to keep my spirits up. Just finding lots of little things, tiny things, to put a smile on my face that could add up to a bigger smile when you put them all together. Uh, and that was, that was hard, but being there in bed with a little smile on my face about something was a lot less painful than 
just being there crying. And I cried a lot too. You know, I, I definitely had my down times, but I tried as hard as I could to keep my energies up. And I knew I was going to keep pushing and I was going to come out of it. So I think goal setting is one of my weapons in my toolbox, as you, as you say, that has been really important for me through my recovery, because I think whether it's a sprained ankle or being hit by a car and having major reconstructions of body parts, goal setting helps drive us forward. So long-term goals that are bigger picture that are stretching us forwards and on, and then short-term goals to give us little wins and little triumphs and reasons to celebrate in our everyday. And they've been really, really important for me. So um, some of the examples of my goals have been uh, making it to the toilet on my own. So I didn't have to pee in a bedpan, putting my own socks on, brushing my own hair, getting dressed on my own, making it downstairs to have dinner, all the way through to the biggest goal I ever set myself. So when I had my first hip surgery, I was back home after the operation and I woke up one morning to this day, I don't know where it came from. I don't remember seeing anything online or anything on TV or anything, but I rolled over to my husband. I didn't roll over. I kind of turned awkwardly because I couldn't exactly roll. And I was like, can I get a dirt bike? And he was just like, what? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh. So we went out and we got me a dirt bike. And it was five months until I could even sit on it. But it was sat there as a reminder every single day that and I wanted to get up and I had my physio because if I didn't do the work, I wouldn't be riding that bike. And it was a really fantastic way to keep myself motivated and pushing on. So I'd say goal setting is a is a really important one for, for recovery. love that and do they need to be because this this may not have seemed like a realistic goal do they need to be realistic um so that comes down to expectation management and i would say i have set some ridiculously unrealistic goals over the years like i'm gonna go kite surfing at easter or whatever and i know looking back even even at the time I knew it was not realistic, like, come on, look at your body. There's no way you're going to be going kite surfing. And all it does is in setting unrealistic goals is setting yourself up for upset. Is going to you to do that goal. Right. And then when you don't do it, it's a huge disappointment and you failed yourself and you're shit and you're rubbish and look how pathetic you are. You've not managed to do it. Whereas if you're kind to yourself and set some goals that are realistic, then you're going to set yourself up for success and for little things to celebrate and cheer on and you know have a little toast over with your, your other half of your friends, the fact that you managed to achieve it and make it. I do think you need to have stretch goals, but I do think you need to be realistic mm -hmm. so that you can manage your emotional expectations along with them. Don't set yourself up to fail because it's not kind mm. and you've got enough that you're fighting and battling. So to give yourself unrealistic pressures, it's not going to help you long term. Mm, that's beautiful. 
What about your language? Has that changed much? Like the words that you use, the choice, yeah, of your language. I'd say I'm more positive and kind now. Lot 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 less quick to judge. Um, and in everything, I just try and find the plus, the positive, the the happiness, and um, it. I don't know. Whatever my specific language, maybe I need to go back and see something I wrote <laughs> previously. I don't know. That's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You were just talking. I mean, you put everything. Your language is so very, very positive, and and that focus on appreciation and gratitude and you know choices and perspective and it, it I just wondered is there a judgment language or you know that hate or that self um, self-loathing or what, whatever it might be does that um, is that a conscious choice definitely and I think realization um, a couple of years ago actually so someone said to me if I had a magic stopwatch and I could go back to two minutes before the accident what would you change and I realized that I wouldn't change a thing. Now, despite the amount of pain mm -hmm. and pain, just pain, through my journey, physically and mentally, mm. I am somehow so grateful for what it has taught me, the shift in perspective, a, a clear understanding of what's worth fighting for, what's worth arguing over or getting upset about, what really makes me happy. It's not working 66 hours in an office for that little bit more money that do I even need that money? It's friendships, it's experiences, and much stronger now than I am. And so in some maybe slight sadistic way, I'm almost grateful for it because it's brought me to where I am today. And I think the the gratitude, the perspective, the really positive outlook has massively grown through my journey. I, I'd say anyone that knew me before the accident would have um, said I was pretty energetic and a little bit crazy, but I don't think I had the same kind of appreciation and and gratitude now, as I do now I don't think I needed it because I was just so like capable and I just took the I don't know what's it called where you take the bit by the horn put no take the cow by the horns and just sort of seized everything and it's not till you have everything taken away and your life changes so dramatically that you maybe realize quite how how much you had before and how lucky you were you know even just to to be pain-free I mean that's incredible I was lying in bed last night trying to fall asleep and my husband was already fast asleep next to me and I just lay there thinking I don't actually remember what it felt like not to have body parts not to have pain and when I say not to have body parts I don't feel my left hip or my left arm or my knees, they're just non-existence. They're just part of my body. But my right hip and my right shoulder, I'm aware of. They're there. 
constantly reminding me that they're there and I and I wish I could I wish I could have it again to be fair uh, that, to me there you go I've just done a trigger thought mm. so now I need to change my thoughts because otherwise I'll get upset <sighs> my one home and my one body and I need mm. to just accept it and I'm very grateful that I am able to ride a bike what is the what is the one thing that takes you out of your pain not and not painkillers like is it your uh yeah riding, trail riding? Like actually removed you from your physical pain. Yeah, body. when I'm off road riding on my on my bike, it it disappears. Not to a certain extent because there's a, there's certain situations or lots of situations where the terrain is just so crazy that I'm having to use my body so much that I feel the pain, and it it hurts. But I am so focused. You have to absorb everything around you you're tuned to the bike you're feeling terrain underneath you and i feel so alive so alive mm. 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 gosh i feel that i so relate to that it is so beautiful and I'll ask you another really strange question yes you, i have huge crazy wild dreams Lo yeah loads of random dreams And, and are your dreams something that take you again out of your body and give you another, like, are they quite uh, involved? Are you quite participatory or I just, because it's such a strange situation. You find yourself um, in your, your I, body and your pain. I wondered. So I don't, I don't normally mention this very much, but I have suffered hugely with night terrors following the accident. Hugely where at certain points through my recovery, normally at my physically worst points and around bad news. So in the few days before a medical appointment where I'm expecting test results and the days after, those sorts of times, they're a lot worse. Sometimes anywhere from three to five night terrors a night where I will wake up screaming and they are like absolutely horrific. Um, had them since the accident I those tend to be me being trapped or being buried alive or stuck in some way so that's like this the world falling in on you kind of vibe I I did have a lot of therapy around these as well back a few years ago and never really found much help with them you know, sometimes you just wouldn't want to go to sleep because you were going to have a night terror. But, you know, I, I need sleep. My body needs sleep to heal. So I just have to, you know, try and move on from that. But what I've realized is that it's only when now, it's only when I'm having those sort of bad periods or worries around my health that they happen. So right now, I don't think I've had one for maybe... A, 11 months 10 months since around the last surgery um and yeah. my dreams otherwise and they're always like super real and so like my dream last night 
I was at a a motorcycle competition with my group of closest friends and my husband. But instead of riding motorbikes, we were riding horses. And my pony Skylark from when I was like 14 was the pony I was riding. And oh, it was, it was a really cool dream, actually. I normally can remember my dreams like well into the day. Um, but I'm always off doing some crazy stuff. So I'm hoping that I'm actually getting better at riding motorbikes because in my dreams, I'm riding them so much. <laughs> Oh, of course you are. I love that. Like, I mean, you are all powerful, right? Between your own ears and in your own imagination. That's beautiful. I, I wonder also with your physical recovery over and over and over again from um, the initial accident and the multiple surgeries, like, have you had this have you done a like where does where do you go with that um, you said you had osteopath was it physio like how do you continue to reset yourself and journey with building your um, through your body and it's been really hard actually i i envy when you look at like the celebrities and stuff and they've got their personal trainer with them three times a day every day and all of that i really envy that because Gosh, it was so incredible to have that kind of support mm. to help you through it all. Um, over the years, I've seen so many different physios and I've seen more physios than I could name that shouldn't, I don't even think, be allowed to call themselves physios as a profession. Um, but then when, I, when you do find a good one, mm. you know, I stick with them and... Um, ah, oh, there's. I've had I've had treatment all over the place. Like I remember for a period of about four four months, three and a half months, I was having treatment in central London, and I lived in Oxford, so I had a two hour commute to London. I then had two and a half hours of physio three days a week, and my full time job and the two hour commute home. So if you take that on a normal day, I had four hours of commuting two and a half hours of physio so that's four and a half hours already plus a seven and a half hour day it was absolutely exhausting i i'm not actually sure how i managed to keep going through that for four months but i was the only person that had the power to push my recovery and do it and what's crazy <laughs> is I was doing that and I remember being in tears in the swimming pool at this place or in the in the gym with the osteopath or what shot it was lots of different arms to the rehab in those two and a half hours osteopath and shockwave treatment and stuff and I remember being there crying saying it hurts and just being told come on you need to push through the pain you know this is recovery you know you need to do it and I wish now I've learned a lot and I've matured a lot through my recovery of what my body should feel like. And I know now that if I was back then, I would have fought them harder and said, no, I really bloody hurt. I need you to listen to me. I'm not some little sofa crying girl. I do extreme sports and I know my body. This is bad pain because I pushed on through that rehab for nearly four months and at the end of it I actually lost trust in the whole lot and decided to see a new specialist and get another opinion 
and the reconstruction of the cartilage in my hip joint had failed and had turned to shrapnel in my hip. So yeah, I was in a lot of pain and that wasn't pain that you push through because you're doing your rehab. And I should have listened to my body. And when other people tell you, yeah, and I, I wish I'd had that kind of physical and mental strength to say, I know my body four months earlier because it was not right. But I, you know, I trusted. You have to trust the professionals because they're, they're the professionals. Um, so that was, it was hard. And with physios, yeah, if you find a good one, don't let go of them. <laughs> And how about your nervous system? Like with all of the surgeries, the pain, the, the, the emotional and mental tra- traumas, the sleep, you know, quality. Like how do you, how do you manage to maintain a nervous system that can support um, you? I'm not sure I know what you mean. What do you mean by nervous system? Sorry. Do you, I imagine that you're spending a lot of a lot of time dealing with pain, um, treating yourself. You know, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of catabolic stress, and that's quite um, challenging on your nervous system. So, get extremely tired, or um, but how do you how do you not, you know, have all of your ed- your edges, your nerves frayed all of the time? Good food, so that I've got the best energy. I don't eat anything processed. I don't eat sugar. Um, alcohol doesn't count, but I don't drink that much alcohol, so I'm not worried. But yeah, I gave up sugar five, four and a bit years ago, um, and I feel amazing for it. My energy levels are constant. I eat really well, and I try and sleep and make. I mean, I'm normally in bed at ten o'clock every night. I get good nine hours sleep every night. I think that's really important. Uh, I suppose I just try to be kind to myself. I don't really know the answer there, I'm afraid. That's not a very... I know I'm listening. I do do think that people shouldn't underestimate the importance of a nutritious diet because our bodies are what we eat. We are... Their energies... Their healing process completely comes from the food that we put in them. You know, if you if you had a car and it runs on petrol and you gave it diesel, it would die. If you have a body and you give it disgusting, processed, chemically adapted and inserted with all these artificial flavors and sugar and salt and uh, processed crap that they seem to sell these days then your body's not going to run as smoothly and healthy as if you give it you know fresh natural ingredients and nutrients and when i have a a bad meal um let's just take an example let's say we were to have a pizza from the supermarket and we put in the oven at home i will notice the difference in my body for the next 24 hours and i won't sleep as well that night like directly feel the difference in my body when I give my body less nutritious food. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you what 
what does the future hold what, what yeah awesome question um you know what I really don't know. And the moment I'm on a journey of trying to make the most of every day because we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm absolutely addicted to life on two wheels and motorbikes and try and ride bikes every opportunity I can. I'm currently training for a huge hard enduro race, Red Bull Romaniacs, which is in July this year. Um, it depends on COVID whether that's going to go ahead, but I'm hoping we will make it out to Romania for that and I just want to keep pushing myself and proving to myself that I can even as a slightly reconstructed person I can still get out there and give it a go and I want to keep keep doing that for as long as I can um yeah and the more I can share my story I really really hope that even if one person gets some positive energy each time I share my story, it kind of makes what I went through much more worthwhile in some kind of way. So. That's amazing. Absolutely. And how can anybody who would like to either support you or, or learn more about you or just follow you and support you for the rest of their days, like, what, what where's the best place and, and um yes how can so you can find you? me on like pretty much all of the social media channels i'm the girl on a bike the girl on a bike and i'm on instagram facebook youtube linkedin and tiktok you can find me on any of those my inbox is always open so if you want to mm -hmm. reach out and say hi please please do I do have my website, thegirlonabike.com as well. And there's all kinds of information, like the full story of my accident, um, tips on dealing with pain, bike reviews, adventures and stuff on there. And um, I do actually have some merchandise. If anyone wanted to support me that way, you can get some The Girl on a Bike beanies and mugs, hats and stuff. I'm going to be doing some more male orientated stuff in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. And I'm actually in the process of writing a book on how to make the most of every day using my my story and the accident to help bring it to life. So stay tuned for that later this year. Um, but the girl on a bike, that's that's how I'd love for you to find me and join the journey. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I'm I can't I will be there looking forward to reading anything that you you offer. Um probably a really important question is um is the bike mm -hmm. question. Like what which is your favorite? How many bikes do you have? So between and me and my husband, we kind of have bike? seven bikes, which is this is a bit ridiculous, but they're all slightly oh, different. No, and they do different they're for different trains and riding styles. I would say my Husqvarna TE250i, which is a two-stroke high-performance race machine for hard enduro, is my favorite bike. If I was allowed one bike in the world, it would be be that one. And that's Buddy. Um, so that's for yeah, crazy off-road riding. <laughs> And and why? Why? I think it's because of the, of the sort of terrain how, that how you ride on that bike is so terrifying 
and satisfying and painful in the good kind of sporting way you know sport pain versus injury pain that kind of burn and determination kind of pain and I get so much satisfaction through achieving getting over something getting through something getting up a hill climb that I I just feel really really alive when I'm on that bike Oh my gosh, I can, I mean, I can see the focus. There's some crazy tricks that you do. I mean, surely, I mean, you're at risk of injury all the time in what you do and your body is, is as you say, it's, it's already challenged and restricted in so many ways. And yet there you are doing these insanely uh, impossible things. Um, from the yeah, American. I do so often get asked that, you know, how do you cope with the the fact that you might get injured? And... I'm very aware that if I was to have a fall, so not if, when I have a fall, because I fall all the time, it's the nature of off-road riding, I am more likely to get injured more dramatically than my previous body or, you know, a more healthy body. So there's a little bit of preventative and calculated risk into this. So wearing the right protection always all the time full body armor knee braces helmets everything so that when i fall i'm as protected as i can be as as my body then there's the element of learning and skill training so that i can get a better rider as i can which means that i'm less likely to fall or actually you learn how to fall or how to fail so the easiest example of that is on a really steep hill climb when you're first learning those, you tend to do loads mm-hmm. of backflips and cartwheels and explosions when you don't make it up. But once you start to get a little bit more skilled and learn the tricks, you'll know a couple of seconds before the explosion that you're not going to make it. And you can turn sideways on the hill and recover without even falling off or coming off the bike. But this is stuff that you learn with skills. So protection, skills, that's to help calculate the risk and then the last thing is that i only have one body and if i injure myself out on a bike at least i'll have had fun doing it i don't want to sit at home and bubble wrap myself because i might get hurt i mean if we looked at it statistically we probably wouldn't even go to the toilet if we looked at the stats on how many people get injured you know just gotta crack on and try and make the most of everything i feel very grateful to have got my body back to a point where i am able to get back out there so i'm gonna go out there with a smile and enjoy it and prove myself i still can oh my gosh i love that i love that oh i am so just privileged and so grateful like thank you for this conversation that i've I've had with you and I feel so uplifted and so reminded of what matters and I know how many people you obviously reach with your story and I'm so excited to be sharing it here um, on the podcast and I won't keep you any longer. Um, I'm sure sitting still or whatever it is is um, is, is reaching its use by date. Is there anything else um, before we go that you would like to say or share or no, I will... Um, share all of your yeah i think the something i'd like to end on if that's um, okay is that 
So I share my whole life world and shenanigans through social media. Now, honestly, I think social media can be a really toxic and negative environment, especially if we're talking about mental health. So I want people to remember that when they're on social media, looking at other people's oh-so-perfect, shiny lives, is to remember that life isn't perfect and shiny. And those accounts that are portraying it as being perfect and easy and blissful, they are not going to be true realities or reflection of life. So don't compare yourself to that. So one of my goals with my social media is to share everything. And I share the ups, the downs, the pain, and try to be as real and honest as possible mm-hmm. because life isn't shiny and perfect. You know, with the right attitude and support around us, we can get through everything. And yeah. I want that to sort of, I want people to remember that, you know. Yeah. very powerful thank you so much i'm I'm grateful for you wanting to talk to me and you are a complete badass i was looking at all your photos and videos and wow it's incredible and to think that you have the pain as well you're an inspiration yourself well look i Oh, I just love that we get to share that part of the story. And I, I love actually hearing about it from someone mm-hmm. else who lives with it and also has such an incredible discipline and passion and gratitude. And, um, yeah, really, you know, I feel, I feel you know, re- reminded of, of, of my whys and my passion you know, mm-hmm. from hearing your story. And I just thank you so much for your time um, tonight. And, yeah, I wish you well. And I can't wait to see what else you get up to and, um, and, and, mm-hmm. yeah, and to share this oh. this. Your, Thank your you so much. The world. My world. <laughs> all, right. all right. Again, yeah, all the love and thank you, Vanessa. If, like me, 2020 has thrown a few physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual curveballs your way, if you're feeling depleted, exhausted, overwhelmed, bloated and lacking radiant health and direction, then it may be time to honour yourself by drawing a line in the sand, resetting your health and embarking on the Seven Unicorns Nine Day Detox Ritual. I highly recommend this fully guided, nourishing detoxification process. It has literally saved my life and my health. I invite you to take this liquid essentialism journey with me. Strip heavy metals, toxins and pollutants from your physical body. Reset your habits and energetic vibration with this complete package of natural liquid nutrients. Zeolite detox products and uplifting daily guided meditation, intermittent fasting, breathing, journaling, sound and healing techniques. You will literally unplug from the inflammatory world. Restore your health and sanity raise your vibration, release excess body weight, and say goodbye to the catabolic effects of stress and anxiety on your well-being.